The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. This is a 680 The Fan podcast. To hear more live and local sports content like this, tune into 680 AM or 93.7 FM or download The Fan app. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. All right, here we go. Chuck and Chernoff cranking it up in our 5 o'clock hour. We got work to do. Glad to be back. I missed you all. Enough. We're with you till 6 o'clock, and then it's the good word. Talking all things jackets. He is risen. From Hattie B's in Midtown. Now, who's the good word tonight? That's uh, Is that Wiley? Who knows, dude? Is that a Hanover? It's like, cap? Is it a Mooney? It's like a rotating cast yeah. of characters. What, a lot two of, of those word. three. Okay, very good. We do know the Damon Stoudemire show follows at 7 Coach Stoudemire will talk about a jacket win over me and uh, a big-time recruit. I guess I guess he could talk about it. I don't, maybe it was signed, sealed, or verbal. We'll see. 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, Damon Stoudemire show here on The Fan, The Fan mobile app on FM at 93.7. And, of course, 680 on the AM side. Or as Derek Thomas called this earlier, 630 The Fan. 630. Right. Steaming on The Fan app. Steaming. So we're a steaming pile on 630. Mm, 630. So we've been 860 The Fan. 860 Six, the fan, that's right, us. You're right. 630 the steaming pile and on 680. Really surprising the that yeah. the focus group responded so well to calling ourselves 630 the steaming pile. <laughs> it was really, you know. Well, we tried Hey Man, but it was taken. So we decided to go a different route. Hey Man. Right. So we said steaming pile. Hey Man. 630. So listen, we're on AM. I don't. What do you want me to do? I'm trying. Hey Man.
<laughs> and we're on FM. And you wake up mornings listening to the locker room, 6 to 10. Then you get Buck, an hour of sports power to 11. Nick and hey, Chris, ele- right? 11 to 2, and that us. It's a lot to look forward to. And you get Braves baseball. It's going to be back. The Grapefruit League season began over the weekend. Braves, and I'll give you final scores. They don't mean anything, but I'll do it because they keep score. Uh, they beat Tampa 6-5 to five in the opener on Saturday. They lost 5-4 to four to the Red Sox yesterday in Northport. And today, 2-1 to one losers to the Orioles. So the Braves are off to a 1-2 and two start here in the spring. Might be time to shake the lineup up tomorrow. Is Chris Sale healthy and feeling good and his arm is live? Well, we'll find out tomorrow. He makes his spring debut against the Pirates in Bradenton. That's, that's like one of the few things that I'm really... How's Kelnick feel? Not necessarily look, but is he feeling better? Is nah, he burying the lead? They need to shake the lineup up tomorrow. Forrest Wall hit a homer today and had him leading off. Sit Acuna, sit the regulars. We got to jumpstart the offense. Now, all that fun aside, Saturday when they began the Grapefruit League season, Michael Harris was leading off for the Braves, and it took no time to enjoy this wonderfulness from our own Ben Ingram. He looks to be ready. Michael Harris is as well. And now for the ball game. And the first pitch swung on to the deep drive to right. That's carrying back. That is high. Getting up and getting gone. First pitch of the spring. And Michael Harris belts it out of here. And it's one nothing Braves. I missed that. Oh, the sultry tones of Ben Ingram. The crack of the bat. The uh-huh. noise in the background. Wonderful. All of it. I said earlier. Sounds right. It does. That's what it you're supposed to be hearing. Sounds tremendous. So. Pow. <laughs> I've said it still is the only sport it's it sounds better on the radio than TV and you can listen on the fan app Ugh, during the week man, the beef all during the week during spring training games on the fan app and our sister station ESPN 1037 I, on weekends you'll get it on the fan on FM on AM on the app all the above I appreciate Statcast and the hot zone cold zone and the ball tracker and all I all of that I swear I appreciate it you watch a major league broadcast sometimes it's like you're sitting in a pinball machine mm-hmm. um listening to it on the radio they don't have those options all they can do is give you the goodies home run inning i mean that's and you drink you're drinking some milos that's it you're just having yourself a time sitting on a porch now it didn't take braves fans long to go crazy on bryce elder who got the start yesterday went an inning and a third l gave up four hits two earned a walk and a k and they were like social media was we're done with them we were done with them last year i'm done with them in a february start so it's not going to waste any time um, back to Michael Harris. So Harris got the leadoff assignment the other day. I don't know where he's going to hit in this lineup. I know it's not going to be eighth or ninth this year. That's in some order going to be Kelnick and Arcia. I could argue I would hit Harris even fifth or sixth as he continues. With so many Braves players who I find it hard to believe can top <laughs> what they did a year ago, Matt Olson probably won't hit 54 homers. Marcelo Zuna probably won't hit 40 bombs. But Harris still has, I think, some ceiling to reach. So the last two years, Michael's numbers have been almost identical. As a rookie, hit 297, 19 home runs, 64 RBIs. Those are the traditionals with a 133 OPS plus. He scored 76 runs, stole 20 bases. His second season, which started really slowly, he was awful through the month of April. Then he caught fire, finished with a 293 average, 18 home runs, 57 ribs, his traditionals, with a 114 OPS plus, again, 76 uh Runs scored in 20 stolen bases. This is a guy that at the bottom of the order is a luxury for the Braves. For everybody else, you'd be like, I got to hit him third. He's that important to our lineup. Well, here he is now about to be 23 years old. With all this experience under his belt, the whole idea about where you hit guys in the order is overrated, except I want my best hitters getting the most at bat. Simple enough. 
So that's Ronnie, that's Ozzie, that's Riley, that's Olsen. There might come a point this season where you realize Michael Harris needs more ABs than even Marcelo Zuna, just because Marcel's the EKG. That, like, Michael might be there. I think he'll hit sixth or seventh to start. I can make a case for him getting more ABs than the catchers. So the days of him hitting eighth and ninth are done. Don't know. Uh, again, if splits matter that much, if you're a team that hits more home runs than everybody, than, like, one team ever, then maybe you just power through the splits. But I really like an Acuna, Michael Harris, uh, Austin Riley, Matt Olson. Sure, it starts pretty good, and then it was only at five. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ozzy six. Yeah. That's fine. Um, so I got options there. You can do all that. And But Michael Harris, the reason is, I think he's got a lot of pop. You don't lose anything on the speed. Nope. Um, he's just too lethal of a hitter. And we mentioned this earlier, and it doesn't have to be even Oakland. Middle of the pack team, like the Reds made the playoffs last year. He's in third or fifth for them. Oh, yeah. He might hit second. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so much potential, and there's so much offensive ability, and again, for someone who runs like that. So the Reds made the playoffs last year? Didn't they? Did that really happen? I know the Marlins made it. Weird. Huh. No, nope. Colin's shaking his head. Wait a minute. Oh, no, no. Nope. Thumbs down. That's a bad job. It's a poor, poor job. A, You're a sports talk radio host. I, you can't make these kind of mistakes. I, I, Earlier I, today, I, I, I told you I didn't know that um, Bailey Zappi was still no, in the— No, Stidham. Oh, no, Jared Stidham was in Denver. You have to know better than to say the Reds made the playoffs. Okay? It's a bad job. Uh, no, but I could see Harris being a 25-home run guy this season. I could see him being a 30-stolen base guy. Like those 90 runs score, like all those things are very much in play for Michael as he continues to grow into a man's body. I'm shaking by the playoff thing. I know. You got to let that go. You got to move on. They had 82 wins. 84 got in. Uh, Today, Max Fried started two scoreless, two Ks. He's ready. Cy Young. Ronaldo Lopez piggybacked uh, Fried, went two innings, gave up a run. Obviously, he's going to be in the bullpen. (laughs) I'm kidding. A.J. Minter had a scoreless frame. Matzik scoreless. Dylan Lee gave up uh, two hits and an earned run in two-thirds of an inning. Then Joe Negro pitched. Joseph Negro. It's fine. His friends call him Joe. Yeah. He went in inning and a third struck out too. Is he a knuckleballer like uh, the rest of the family? I think you have to be, right? That's right, Matt. I don't know. I don't <laughs> you know just that. said the Reds made the playoffs. Say he's a knuckleballer. I know, Matt. If, Accuracy is my thing. If King only, MLB. If only at the end of the show when we get to unfinished business, if we could find out if Joe Negro's a knuckleballer, we'll find out. Uh, again, tomorrow Chris Sale makes his Braves debut. We'll hope everything stays intact. Elbow, arm, all of it. Everything's good. Get through it. Tomorrow against the Pirates in Bradenton, you'll hear it on the Fan Mobile app. All right, let's get some rumors. I've got Falcon rumors for you, Charles. Mm -hmm. Now, this first one is according to NFL insider Jake Eckberg. I don't know who this is. But Eckberg reported that the Falcons and the Raiders have sent trade offers to the Bears for Justin Fields. Keep in mind, nobody else on planet Earth has this report except Eckberg. We also couldn't find this guy. We oh, tried Eckberg? to look him up, yeah. We're, are we still efforting to find Eckberg? Yeah, we're still looking. Okay. Now, Field Yates, who I've heard of him, he said uh, the Falcons could acquire Justin Fields, he believes, for their second-round pick, number 43 overall. And we know who he is. So. Fields or Yates? Field Yates? Yeah, sure. Yes. Small guy. Now, many around the league have said the Falcons are looking for a young quarterback as opposed to a vet. There's another report the Falcons are going to be aggressive in pursuit of a top rookie quarterback. There was yet another report that said the Falcons would lean towards a veteran. So, 
all of its misdirection. I hope. I hope none of this is accurate because if it is, once again, the Falcons have no ability to keep a secret. The greatest example in Atlanta sports history of this is there was a GM for the Hawks named Billy Knight who on the morning of the draft, this rumor report popped that he was taking Sheldon Williams, the center out of Duke, and we all went, no way, good job, total misdirection, nobody's taking the landlord in the top five, and then the commissioner read the card and it said Sheldon Williams to the Hawks were like, oh, God. He did. Uh, Oh, God. The Falcons have Dez and Taylor under contract. Like they have to announce something formal with Taylor that so, we're not activating yes. it. They got to pick up the option on Taylor or not. Dez is under contract. Okay, that's right. uh, there's rumors. Yeah, it's not exactly cracking any code that the Falcons will take some sort of multi-pronged approach to adding quarterbacks to the roster. Mm-hmm. That they're not going to pick up Taylor's thing, and so and Dez isn't going to be here. So wow. He's not. You don't think Dez has a future here? I'm shocked. Um, I would hate to be one of these GMs trying to figure out these quarterbacks. That sucks. I like. It would be an awful place. Let's say like, the easiest one is is the, what's the guy's name? Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears. Okay, send in the name Caleb Williams. That's easy. There's a chance at two you could screw it up if you fall in love with Drake May instead of Jaden Daniels or vice versa. Like everybody's convinced it's Drake May. There's a world where the Commanders take Jaden Daniels. Sure there is. I like Drake May better because he didn't run as much. I think the league, well. Jaden Daniels has gotten blasted things. a couple of times when he, I mean. Drake is built like robo quarterback, but he also can move, which is a nice added thing. Okay, and he and he ran plenty of North. In fact, he may have been their leading rusher in 2022. All right, hopefully that's better than the Cincinnati Reds I don't thing. know if I can trust you now. Uh, you may not. <laughs> um, so he can run. Do you know what he wants to do? Stand in the pocket, deliver the ball downfield. That's what he really wants to do. Mm-hmm. Sure. There's a chance. Jaden ran for 1,000 yards in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And he also played with stud receivers. I don't know. Did Drake May have a good receiver with him? Like an NFL oh, yeah, caliber? Yeah, he had the kid that transferred down from uh, Kent State that is in the draft this hey, year. Will Tez can, Walker? Will somebody confirm right. that for me? I, I can't trust Holy Chuck just smokes. to say this stuff. Drake now. May did lead in rushing yards in 2022. Okay. Good you, job, Chuck. You've redeemed yourself. I'm back, man. The gray matter. Hey, maybe you stick to the college football. <sighs> Stay in your lane. I'm just. Something. I need like a, a Sprite or a ginger ale or something. I need to <laughs> set an alarm. I just need. To. So if you're just jumping in, Chuck has uh, said the Del McGee era at Georgia State will be a epic failure. I think you said nine and twenty six, and he'll be fired in three years. Horrible thing to say. I think on the other hand, Dell will lead them to bowl games with a chance at the college football playoff. Dell will be officially or was officially announced today as the fourth head coach at Georgia State. That means there's an opening at Georgia. Well, not for long. Kirby Smart has filled. Both of his spots. Now, he's lost two elite recruiters, right? Brian McClendon yep. goes to the Tampa Bay Bucks to become the wide receiver coach there. Who realized he was never going to be the OC as long as Bobo's there. Right. And now you have Del McKee, uh, McKee becoming a head coach. So, the same thing. Georgia brings back an old friend, James Coley. <laughs> God. He people, can recruit. People couldn't he can stand get James signatures, Coley. man. No, they couldn't yeah. at all. <laughs> there was like, I'm waiting now. <laughs> Where is Jim Chaney? Let's bring them all back. Chaney can come back. Coley come back. Where's Shoddy? Somebody give now, me Brian th- th- There's a difference between recruiting and coaching a position, no and I'm in charge of the offense and call the plays. No, no, Coley is a big-time recruiter. We can, and he's been an OC and called plays before, and it has been very uneven. I will give you his uh, duties as a wide receiver coach. He's brought back to recruit. Same thing with, uh, who did they bring in? Josh Crawford, who was at Georgia Tech. Also the receivers coach at Tech. Thought to be a elite recruiter as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not important what they do with their positions. That matters. But Del McGee was always known as an elite recruiter more than a running back coach. Not a team we cover and Colin Pipe down. Um, wow. I have been told Shane 
Beamer. seriously hot about this. Didn't he just hire somebody else's head coach that was like three days? Now, I know yeah, the context. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. So he's bothered that Coley was on staff for like 40 days. Oh, tell them all to be quiet. Apparently, be three quiet. weeks. Beamer is very much about loyalty and my word okay. is strong as oak. And he's that, I like for real, mm-hmm. steamed about this. So he's like Cush's dad. I looked at it and I was like, I know it's different. And Sean Elliott wanted to go somewhere other than Georgia State, but you just hired a guy three. So. I don't listen to the criticism, and he's unhappy and pay any mind to it. If we're going to call this the wild, wild west, it is. we're going to address this being a professional outlet, guess what? A better opportunity for Coley became available, one he was more familiar with, and a better situation for him to do what? Get back to his, his what his wants are. Maybe a coordinator, maybe a head yes. coach. This is a better spot. Yes, absolutely. For Sean Elliott, again, the family part of it was a part of him leaving Georgia State. Whatever the reasons are, they're all doing but it. But Elliott wasn't going anywhere but South Carolina. Correct. I think that's totally the difference agree. with him. 100%. Whatever it's worth, also, South Carolina gets 450 grand. It was a buyout. He was there 45 days, and he's got to pay a buyout. Like, that's the difference between doing this job at South Carolina and this job at Georgia. I'm going to go there, maybe get hardware, maybe change yep. my resume, maybe get back on the track to be an OC. I'll take a $450,000 hit. But this is also now the, cha- the challenge for Kirby. When you get to this level, you're going to keep losing elite coordinators and elite coaches. And the next one's Schumann. I don't, the clock is ticking on Glenn Schumann. What do you do with Bobo? If you have a chance, like I win as long as I can win with Bobo. He can turn into Ensminger at like uh, LSU. He can coach till like he's 70. He's the OC winning. emeritus. What do you do if you look around and you go, we've been running it back and running it back. We need a jolt. There is this really young guy at Akron who's mm-hmm. led the Mac in scoring two straight years, and he's being interviewed. What was it? Well, it was uh, Kirby. Mm-hmm. South Carolina started playing footsie with him. Right. So he's being interviewed, and we can make him the OC here. Like, oh, I think Kirby's open to, to all stuff. The biggest coaching hire he's made is Todd Monk, and that had no Georgia tie. Now he's brought his friends back. Oh, no. I'm saying, what if Bobo no, was I still there? I understand like, it. Look my, at, my, my you look at is, Mike and say, let's have a conversation. Now, what is Georgia coming off of? Because that has the context matters. Like, if they're coming off another 40-point, and they've averaged 40 under Bobo the last couple of years he's been the OC, this time in, in his last season. Well, at that point. Let him be Kevin Steele. Just be D.C. till you're 66. And- or you bring in somebody to put him in a different position, and we have a succession plan. Now, I think that was supposed to be Buster Faulkner. Oh, that's a great choice. Right? Yeah. Like, I think that was what – he was an analyst at Georgia. Yeah. And, like, he, and the understanding was you're parked until there's a spot open. And- well, do we know the true story behind Will Muschamp? Was was Will really wanting to spend more time with the family? We'll keep you on as an analyst. I never know the oh, truth. Oh, no, they're boys, man. No, I know they are. I, My point is, though – I don't think he would have – We can frame it this way because we're boys. But maybe we're ready to, to give it all to Schumann and there's another name in the pipeline. I don't know. Like, that stuff happens all the I time. Think, uh, now, people who know Will, I do not. I, I don't know. Um, I have heard, and this surprised me, because I think I know his personality. I remember at Florida, he punched the board and had to go in and explain to the media. Yeah, I punched the board. I heard that he really is at ease with giving this up. Could be. That's, uh, that could 100% be true. Like, I don't just, imagine it could be a production thing. No, I mean, there's no, I not a better. That. But I, at some point, your age and better, op- better options become available, and you want to frame something a certain way. Just the way you're saying with Bobo. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Are you like saying maybe Will wants to be head coach again? No, no, no. I'm saying that I Kirby, think he's done. I'm saying that Kirby, in yeah. this case, I don't know if this is, I'm just spitballing. I'm saying Kirby because we're friends. Frame this whatever way you want, uh, Will. You want to spend more time with the family? 
this is going to be more Glenn's show, and we have something else in the pipeline, but we're never going to make it seem like we're pushing We're going to de-emphasize yes. you. You can stay if you yeah, would I'm, like. I don't know but, if that's true. But no this idea. is Glenn's deal. Right. Then that's what I'm telling you about Bobo. Maybe that's how it gets framed at some point if they want to move forward with it. Uh, the Hawks won a basketball game last night. Not insignificant. Not significant. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> the, the, there's no, like, real outcome that it gets changed. But, no, they won a game without Trey. They did. Trey Young will be out at least four weeks. He'll be reevaluated at that point after he has his surgery on his finger. Now, you say not insignificant. I'm looking at the Eastern Conference standings. Aren't they like a game out of 11? Uh, like they're 10 right now. They're like a game up no, on no, 11. No, 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 no. They're three and a half up on 11. It's going to be hard for them to blow this. They right now are just uh, two back of the nine seed, Chicago. There are three games in the loss column, three and a half up on Brooklyn, who's the 11. That's how bad the East is. So if the play-in, I can't even say playoffs, if the play-in was to begin today, the Hawks would be in Chicago to play the Bulls in a win-or-go-home scenario. Good then if they, if they won that game, they would face the uh, loser of Miami-Orlando on the road. Okay, I have That's to admit. exciting. I looked at the standings after Trey's injury, uh-huh. and then the Hawks won and Brooklyn lost, yep, so there yeah. now is separation That's between right. 10 and 11. You bet so. your bottom dollar. Things are looking up. And that's really, I mean, the Hawks, that's what they do when they get into March. They separate from 11. I feel like, like they when, have a history down the stretch. When though. the league was spitballing about the play-in, there was a picture of the Hawk logo. It used to be the lottery for years. Like, where are the Hawks going to be? Who are they sending? Remember we used to, don't send Neek back to the lottery again. Don't. They would send. Uh, Jamie Gertz. They sent Jamie Gertz. Like, now with the play-in, it's like, are the Hawks hosting? She got Luka. Are they on the road? Yeah, I know. She got Luca. then, you know, the son wanted Luca gone. So yeah. I don't know if that's true. I, you want me to play a Nepo baby song again for you? It's always ready a few if you years want it. ago, we put in some effort on a song, and so we But do. If you, it's there if you want it. Just by request. Do you want it? We have a Nick Wrestler song. Is this it? Chuck asked for it, so go ahead and play that. I, I don't care. But I, we're playing it. Be oh, your awesome. mighty king. So Landry Fields, beware. Well, I've never seen a king or owner who isn't very aware. I'm going to bring a title here like no one has before. I've already shown Red Velvet and Collins out the door. That's supposed to be Nick Russell's well, voice. Yeah. Things are done that way. Oh, I'm just a Nepo baby. Hawks cannot be happy with this at all. Not happy at all with us. No one's saying you can't, but you can't give Marie the max. <laughs> no one's saying we can't uh-huh. go into the luxury well, that's tax. That's true. The luxury tax. Free to finally trade Capella away so we can let a Kong Woo play. I might go ahead and trade trade. Chuck Big Finish, here we go. You understand Nick Wrestler? He could he could buy and sell both of us. Not even Tony. Mm-hmm. The son could sell, could sell us and buy, just move us out if he wanted to. That's the kind of money and power that kid has. I don't think he's 30 yet. And yeah, he has made choices that determine an NBA roster. Uh, they deny that. No, they've said that's not true. He doesn't have the ear of his dad. Not at the table during dinner going, Dad! We gotta get DeJounte. His official title is principal advisor to the governor. Okay, so is mine. Yeah, I've never. Okay. Yeah, I've never been involved in like multi-million dollar discussions like that. He has the principal advisor uh-huh. to the governor. That's according to LinkedIn. 
Okay. All right. Now, the governor, which is the name of the former owner, uh, and so the principal advisor, that's basically they have father-son time. That title says, I have father-son time. Dad! Should I connect with him? <laughs> Nick is outside your office again. <laughs> that's the way that one's Guess going. Guess play. We're watching. We're playing the Lakers. It's a West Coast game. You better brush your teeth early. Watch from bed. Uh, DeJounte did have 25 yesterday, 11 assists to nine boards. Jalen Johnson, another big night, 21, 10, and 7. Gosh, and t- they have effed this up. Tomorrow, the good news is John the Baptist is back. John Collins comes in with the, I think they're like 26 and 31 jazz. They will have an inspirational video before. And it should end with John dunking on Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, yeah. yeah. They, Hawks did a marvelous job of devaluing John every year to the you, point where they got nothing for him. Go back to, it was either maybe his third season or maybe fourth season when the three-point shot you looked at and you're like, okay, maybe that development, like it's here now. And then the Hawks did everything possible to, mm-hmm. to not get value from him. The strange part about him is he went from an offensive only kind of a guy to like his defense was actually pretty good and his shooting went away. <laughs> it's got to be a mess. All right, so we have beef to talk about. You like beef, Chuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, this, uh, it depends. Is it? Well, it's not Kobe beef. No, but is it pleasant? Is or is it like well, no, serious it's, stuff? It's beef. No, but is it like funsies or is it I'll let fun you beef? It's a fun beef. It's a fief. So uh, you remember Paul Johnson used to coach Georgia Tech? Oh, this is not funsies, right? So he was on a, a radio show, the Bill, uh, the Bill Shanks show. Bill Shanks, uh, Macon, Central Georgia, Warner Robins. I'm sorry, are you promoting him? Well, he's got four stations. I might be on all four of them. Bill Shanks. And does he own the stations? I believe he does. Oh, so he put himself on his, he bought the stations? Uh, I don't know his business background. I know he's. Sounds like you do. You know a lot about it. No, right. he's afternoon drive down in Macon. He's got some stations. Does he have a skylight at home? I don't know anything about that. He had Paul Johnson on. Get back to this. Oh, yeah, he's in sorry. Macon. He's on a few stations right. down there in Central so, Georgia. Damn. Paul Johnson was on and uh, somehow the topic of Jeff Collins came up and. Uh, Paul Johnson went in on Collins. Take a listen. He just distorted everything when he got there. I mean, I'll just call a spade a spade. I don't, I don't care. I got no respect for the guy, so I can Jeez. say what I want. He went in and distorted everything that was there and acted like we'd never won a game and lied about who he inherited, lied about the offensive line, lied about us not going to the high schools in Georgia. He just told a bunch of whoppers, and it came back to get him. It I sure mean, because there wasn't much substance there. Wow. I mean, he didn't hold anything back. And he's a bad cook. He can't dance. And he has body odor. Like, that's the only thing Paul Johnson didn't say about Jeff Collins. He's 66 years old. He's retired. He doesn't care anymore what you think of his opinion. Maybe he would have said this when he was still coaching. There's half a chance. I don't want to take a side in because Jeff Collins was a, was a con man. Paul Johnson's got a jerky side to him. Like, there's... They're hard in a lot of cases. Like, Paul Johnson's a good coach. But the jerky side of him sometimes, you just want to shake your head and go, why? And you don't have to be warm and fuzzy. Not everybody does. But all he did right there was to make himself feel better. He took a victory lap and danced on Jeff Collins' grave. I haven't heard Paul say those comments publicly. I don't know if he said them in private. But it sounds like he kind of had those at the ready. I mean, he had a kind of a string of, you know, he lied about this, lied about this, lied about this, lied about this. Sounds like kind of things he's been thinking about for a minute. If he got it off his chest, I mean, he's an adult. He made his choice. I don't understand what taking that road gets him. But if it made him feel better, and like I said, he's 66. Mm-hmm. Haven't you ever said stuff just to make you feel better? Don't you like yeah, taking a victory but I us- but I usually don't feel better very long afterwards. Well, he wasn't done. No. 
you know, the, the opposing coaches in the league would call me, and they were laughing. And I had one particular coach who called me after they had really pounded them at home. He told me, he said, Paul, it's a circus. And uh, I had another coach who called me late on a Saturday night after they had beaten them, and he was laughing. He said, I even lined up your formation at the end just to <laughs> stick it in. That was Cutcliffe, wasn't it? That had to be Cutcliffe. Who do you think it was? I, I don't They're know. Just it doesn't sound like Collins. A David, David Cutcliffe does not sound like he would call Paul Johnson and mock Jeff Collins. Okay, who called him then? Oh, I don't know. It could. He said in the league. Yeah. So the I immediately ACC. thought, I'm going to tell you something, because if you go back and look at that, then they play Ole Miss on a Monday night at, the, uh, at the Dome. Sounds right. I caught Lane Kiffin twice seeing the result of a play and then looking over at an assistant and laughing his ass off. Like, that it's happened. like, we've, we've got yeah. this MF or like, they but don't have any idea what we're I doing. Would, I would agree, but he said the league. So I think somebody, that's why I'm saying yeah. I have to go back to the ACC. I saw Lane. There were right. a couple of times in that game where he had to look on his face. Like, oh, I think it was cut. No, Dabo actually Dabo didn't Dabo let the punter throw a pass. He did put up 70. They were up. Yeah. They scored 70 something and he put the punter in and the punter, through some passes. Do we want to hear it? Here's one more about uh, Jeff Collins not uh, ingratiating himself to the former players. It not only did it frustrate, I guess I got frustrated with it, he frustrated a lot of the former players who played there. I mean, you know, there were kids who had played and won double-digit games and played in Orange Bowls and played in ACC championship games and just totally disrespected what they had done and the tradition and the history. I bet he felt better, and sometimes – that's all you want just to feel better. Get ready for Chuck and Chernoff's Worst Idea. All right, we've been taking your Worst Idea answers at the Harris Cherokee Casino's Twitter feed throughout the day. We asked you for the one moment from sports history you wish Twitter was around for at the time. I ripped this one off. Somebody had it last week. I thought it was a good question. Uh, our friend Randy Waters, the coach, said the 1964 NFL championship. What happened in that? Was that... The Bednarik hit? Sure it was. Um, Chris said Sting winning the first WCW heavyweight championship of his career. That's fair. Oh, another great one. If we had Twitter at the time of the slow speed OJ police chase, that's a great one. Uh, Malice the Palace, Sid Slid, Ditka and Ricky Williams on the cover of ESPN the magazine. Rob went with the Braves winning the championship in 95. Joe went with Herbeck ripping Ron Gant off the bag in the 91 World Series. Kevin went with the uh, Dion helicopter ride from the Dolphin oh, game yeah. to, to the, the NLCS. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, Bills down 35-3 to the Oilers. A lot of good ones. You guys can keep sending them at the uh, Harris Cherokee Casino's Twitter feed. All right, we're going to talk to a draft insider, one of the best in the business, who will tell us about the Falcons at number eight if they stay put. Is there a quarterback there? If they want to trade back into the first round, what could be there? We'll get all the answers next. It's a Monday afternoon. You're riding home with Chuck and Chernoff, and we appreciate it. Thanks for making us a part of your afternoon drive. Hope it happens every day. And now when we're done tonight, you get the good word. Talking all things jackets. Then the he Damon is risen. Stein, yes, uh, the Damon Stoudemire Coaches Show at 7. Then you want to leave the radio on 680 and 93.7. Wake up tomorrow morning with the locker room 6 to 10. So you'll get your beef in. You'll get your uh, John Michaels. you get your Joe Ham. Get your home team. Then Buck 10 to 11. Nick and Chris 11 to 2. And then we're back again. A uh, couple of quick reminders. It's going to be a big year for a lot of big games around these parts. And Atlanta Sports Trips wants to be 
the travel company that takes you on the road to see your favorite teams play. Now, we've been telling you a lot about our trip to Austin, Texas, for the dogs to uh, face the Longhorns. It's going to be a must-see game in person. You can still, we ha- I think we have a couple of rooms left. I, I've got to double-check, but you can get to atlsportstrips.com. Make sure you grab a room before they're gone. I think we... I think we're gone. 40 rooms flew out, and then the next set flew out. So you can check that out. We also have a trip to Anaheim coming up that you can check on if you're a big baseball fan to see the team with the tomahawk on their chest. Play Mike Trout and the Angels out west in August. You can book that room. You'll see details on the Dirty Birds to Vegas when we have details on a date. And, of course, the dogs in Tuscaloosa, just to name a few. Get to atlsportstrips.com. You can get yourself a, a refundable deposit on any of those trips when the full pricing details come out. If you don't like it, you get your money back. Nothing to lose. ATLSportsTrips.com. All right, let me bring in one of the best in the business when it comes to covering the NFL draft. We brag on his work every year. He's Matt Miller. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL Draft Scout. You can see him all across ESPN.com, and you can watch him on NFL Live Sports Center. You can see their coverage at 4 p.m. Wednesday through Friday, live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. He's a busy man. He joins us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Matt, we appreciate the time. How are you? Doing well. You know my schedule better than I do. I mean, listen. <laughs> I'm glad you told me. It's, it's easy when they write it down and give it to me. I'll give it to you after, and that way we're all <laughs> on the you. same page. So we were just going through all the trade machinations like any loser franchise fan of a team in the top 10 like we have to in Atlanta. But here's where I want to start with you. Let's say the Falcons can't swing a deal. Nobody in the top three wants to trade. So you're going to sit at eight and you're going to like it. What's the best of the available quarterbacks? How high would the Falcons be taking one of these quarterbacks off the board if they're not even close on a, on a, build, on a big board of a top 30 or top 50? Yeah, great question. Uh, so let's assume Kayla Williams goes one. Yep. Let's assume Jaden Daniels or Drake May goes two. And uh, – uh, then the other one goes three, and and we have you know we can see what happens there. I think there's a possibility that the New England might trade out at three. But um, as for if the board falls that way, no trade up scenarios. JJ McCarthy is the next best quarterback. To me, he could be a really good NFL quarterback, but probably more in that middle tier. Like in five years, could he be a top ten NFL quarterback? Yeah, I, I think the the football IQ is there, the the arm strength is there, the mobility is there. Um, he's going to have to get better, obviously, but the talent is certainly there. He's my number 18 overall player. Uh, if you And I do account for positional value. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't have Brock Bowers as my number one player, right? Brock's really, really talented. He's a tight end, so he, he's ranked a little bit lower for me. Same with offensive guards or same with, with safeties and linebackers. So 18 overall, accounting for positional value. Um, but my player comp for him, these come out tomorrow. I'll give you guys a sneak peek. Do you remember Jake Plummer, Jake the Snake oh, yeah. Plummer? Yeah. That's who McCarthy reminds me of. You know, mm. I the dude just wins ball games, and I, I'm not sure if you've had a chance to read this. I, I wrote it at one point this year. I did. I had a scout who I trust on quarterbacks very, very well tell me, you know, the only difference between JJ McCarthy and Joe Burrow is that Joe Burrow got to throw the ball a lot in college. So mm. there are people who love JJ McCarthy. Um, this week is going to be huge. I want to see him throw in person. You know, I want to see him get out there and rip it outside of this Michigan scheme. So uh, I like J.J. I think he could be a good NFL quarterback. It's not as exciting as Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels, but sometimes, you know, sometimes steady is really, really good.
Give me the environment. The Falcons trading eight to one. That's just ludicrous. It's a waste of time to talk about that. What about trading from a, uh, yeah. a maybe eighth in the second round to 31 or 32? What will be the environment at the end of the first round? Do you believe what will be the quarterback pool in the final three, four picks of the first round for a team to maybe trade into? I don't know if there will be one. Oh, really bad answer. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Let's just like, I mean, we got to live in the world right now where quarterbacks are so heavily valued. Um, so we, we know those three are going early. You know, let's say you don't take J.J. at eight. The, the, Bronco, the Vikings at 11, Broncos 12, Raiders 13, Saints 14. One of those teams probably takes a quarterback. I continue to hear that the Seattle Seahawks are at least really kicking around the idea of taking a quarterback to groom behind Geno Smith. So that might be your Bo Nix landing mm-hmm. spot. The Steelers at 20. One of the best run organizations in sports. You can't tell me with a straight face they're going to run it back with Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph. I just don't believe that for a second. So I think the Steelers are a team that's in the mix at 20. I, I mean, if Baker Mayfield's not back in Tampa, they're in the mix at 26. So, you know, that idea of like, oh, let's get back in, you know, with the, the Chiefs or the Niners. I love the the idea of doing that. Love it. It's just I don't know that one of the five guys that really have a round one grader there, there maybe there's a, maybe Atlanta is one of the teams that loves Michael Penix. You know, you're playing in a dome, you're playing in some warm weather situations. I think that fits his play style really well, where he's such a great deep ball passer. But you know, he's not mobile at all. Mm-hmm. And he had four seasons at Indiana. They each ended with a season-ending injury. Two times he's had an ACL tear in his right knee. So I love Michael Penix as a passer. I worry about Michael Penix as an NFL quarterback to where, especially if you trade him back up into round one to take him. Matt Miller's with us. Uh, you can follow him on uh, Twitter at NFL Draft Scout. Again, you'll see him on ESPN coming up on NFL Live and Sports Center uh, at 4 p.m. from the Combine Wednesday through Friday. He's with us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Uh, one more question about the quarterbacks, and then we'll bounce around. Do you have, and this might be just flavors for teams, <clears throat> but do you have a preference? Or do you hear people have a preference between Knicks and Penix, two older guys? Both have some different things. Penix, the injury stuff. Bo's bounced around a little bit. Like, have you heard yeah. if the league has a preference for one or the other? Uh, yeah, he's Bo Nix. Uh, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to put like a blanket statement out there. Like, 32 teams like Bo Nix better. Because I don't think that's fair. Um, Michael Penix is, like I said, a tremendous passer. Bo Nix, you've got cleaner injury history. And that's a big, that's just a big part of it. I don't think he's as good of a pure passer but he's got cleaner medicals and he's got a much more mobile skill set to his game. You know, I think people forget some of the ad lib type stuff that Bo Nix had to do when he was at Auburn, because that offense was like backyard football. You get to Oregon and everything kind of comes together a lot better for him. You know, they actually have some downfield passing targets. They have some things, you know, that he's able to do schematically that, that I think really, really helped his game. Um, and we saw that, you know, kind of take off to the next level because of that. So I, I would say, you know, Knicks did not have the best senior bowl week. This is a big week for him. He's got to prove himself a little bit. But the guy started for five years in college. And one thing that's fascinating with the NFL right now is teams want experience. You know, and it's why a guy like J.J. McCarthy, who started 28 games in college and only lost one of them, is such a hot name right now. Bo Nix started 61 games in college. You're not going to throw anything at this dude that he didn't see and the SEC and the Pac-12 over the last five years. So that readiness is huge with college offenses being, you know, so gimmicky and so, like, everything's RPO and throw out the line of scrimmage. That's not the NFL. So what can you do to make your job easier as an evaluator? 
go to the guy who you got five years and 61 starts of tape on to figure out who he is as a prospect. All right, I don't live in a world where the best pass rusher in the draft is there at eight, and I, I would like him to be potentially for the Falcons. I think that's Dallas Turner because I think he plays kind of mean and a little on the edge of beyond mean. Um, and I'm, I'm digging. I'm into that. He, Jared Burse, big giant Latu from UCLA, whoever the number one pass rusher is, I think I am looking at a draft where he might be available at eight. Yeah, no, absolutely. You could have your pick of the litter among defensive players at eight, very potentially. And I'm with you. Dallas Turner is the best of this group. I don't know why there hasn't been more of a love fest for him. I'm going to try to personally change this because I see someone who is going to be a perennial 10-sack player if he's allowed to play in space, like Josh Allen with the Jaguars. That, to me, that's who he is. He's that dude, like, just give him a little bit of a step away from the tackle, and he's going to make plays. I mean, you know, go back week one last year. He had four pressures and a tackle for loss. He had two and a half sacks against you, uh, Southern Florida. He's a high IQ, like pressure package quarterback who has great hustle. You know, he's got he's well coached coming out of Alabama because that's what they do. But the athleticism is also there as well. So, you know, sometimes does he come in a little hot and miss some tackles in the backfield? He does. So did Will Anderson, and he turned out just fine last year for the Houston Texans. So. I think, you know, if you can get Dallas Turner eight, that's amazing value. I would say his teammate, Tyrion Arnold, he's he's also right in the mix. One of those two should be the first defender off the board. He could be there at eight, and he is the exact kind of guy. If you want to stud opposite A.J. Terrell, who's also a stud, and just, you know, form a defensive backfield that everyone's afraid of, Tyrion Arnold at eight is a pretty dang good value, too. Matt Miller's with us. Again, ESPN is where you can see him this week from the Combine Wednesday through Friday. Uh, let me ask you about some of the Georgia players. We watched Brock from day one, so we know how good he is. But I also questioned and almost did it with a maniacal laugh at the Falcons taking Kyle Pitts as high as they did because of the positional value. Does Kyle in any way affect where Brock might go? In other words, maybe he doesn't go inside the top ten because people see the positional value still being an issue? I think so. And not not to compare their like the production because they're very different players. Yep. I think it's more so if you draft a player in the top ten, you expect them to be a difference maker, you know, like you expect him to be a blue chip core building block. And Kyle has not been that. And you could say quarterback and coaching are, are part of the reason for that. And I would agree with you, but you know, tight ends drafted in the first round. There's not a, a long history of success. And, and I know every player is different, but Travis Kelsey, George Tittle, Mark Andrews, Sam Laporta, those dudes were not drafted in the first round. And if you're, if you're, you know, if you're starting a team from scratch and you could take a tight end, I, I would imagine those guys and then TJ Hawkinson are probably the five that we're talking about taking first. So I, I, I do think that, that that does hurt. It's also the fact that, you know, Kyle was um, such a, an athletic specimen. You know, we hadn't really seen anyone like him from a height, length, speed standpoint. And it was like, this is just an offensive difference maker. Brock Bowers, for all the greatness that is his game, is probably going to be like 6'2", 230. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not built like – you know, Travis Kelsey, who's 6'5". He's not built like Sam Laporta. He's not built like Mark Andrews. Certainly not built like Kyle Pitts. So, you know, he's, you know, maybe a little bit closer to George Kittle, but even Kittle's six foot four, 240 pounds. So I think with Brock, we're looking at a case of amazing, great college football player who the NFL is going to be a little lower on because he doesn't play a, a premier position and he doesn't have you know, he doesn't have elite measurables. He's not going to run a 4-4. He's not going to be 6-5, 250. And that is ultimately going to affect where he's drafted. 
What do you think or what are you hearing about Lad McConkey? given that this is a very deep wide receiver draft on paper? Is he a guy that's mid-second round? Can he creep up higher? What's the word on Lad? He could go higher. I think we could see if we see that run on wide receivers early, I think there's a world where he slips into the late first round, especially if, you know, what if the 49ers who have salary cap problems trade Brandon Ayuk, who is, you know, needs a, a new deal, then someone like Lad McConkey could get in there. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs have a need for more of a speed receiver opposite Rasheed Rice, but you know, what if they just fall in love with the route running ability of a Lad McConkey? I, I think there's a world where he's drafted ahead of someone like Keon Coleman from Florida State, or he's drafted ahead of Troy Franklin from Oregon, just because you know exactly what you're getting. Maybe he's a number two, number three receiver his entire career, but he's going to be a heavily productive number two or number three receiver, even you know, comparing him to other slot guys like Xavier Worthy. Xavier Worthy was 170 pounds, and he's had drop issues throughout college. So Xavier's going to be faster. He's going to be more explosive. But I would argue Lad's a much better football player. He's a much better wide receiver. And so I think those are the conversations teams are going to have when you look at, you know, some of the, the success that the teams are having with wide receivers. It's like, just take the dependable guy as opposed to let's swing for the 4-2 player. You know, a lot of times those don't work out as well as the guy who was super productive every Saturday for two or three years. Yeah, worthy old Melcher face mask. Um, that's about what it is, though, with him. He runs fast yep. in a straight line. Um, I was, it's funny you brought up the receivers. Uh, how much of a consolation prize is Jalen if you don't get Rome? Uh, I, a good one. Uh, I think a, a really good. Because the Falcons, by the way, have one uh, one receiver under contract right now, so they're right. going to invest something. Yeah, you have to, right? I mean, I, I've, every mock draft I've done that goes deeper than the first round, I'm like, okay, well, might want to look at getting a, a wide receiver in here for Atlanta because it is it is certainly a need. So McMillan's a good player. I mean, you talked about speed. You know, he that is his game. You know, he's a projects as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. He can run right past you, um, and is. You know, I think this year we saw, especially late in the season, just how important he was, you know, for them. And he can be that vertical stretch player that can, you know, get behind the safeties, that can stretch the field, open things up. And if you, if you already have the size of a Drake London and yep. you have the size of, of Kyle Pitts, McMillan is a really good player that I think fits that perfectly. Could, could I ask you, Xavier Leggett, South Carolina? Yeah, I'm, man, I was, I'm, frankly, I was disappointed at the Senior Bowl. It was not what I was hoping for. It wasn't what I expected. He just didn't move as well as I, I really thought he would. So I, I think he's probably late round two, early round three player right now. You know, we all wanted him to be, you know, like the Debo Samuel yards after catch guy. He came in shorter than I thought. He's 6'1", 223. He was listed at 6'3". So that, that bothered me. And then I think you look at, you know, the speed game. It just it wasn't there at the Senior Bowl. I'm really hoping we get a chance to see at the Combine that, that he's, you know, maybe he shook off whatever that was and runs a lot better in Indy. Matt Miller, to me, is one of the shortlist guys who does this stuff well. You guys should be digging into all of his content from now until the draft. You can follow him at NFL Draft Scout. You'll see him across ESPN.com. And as I told you, Sports Center NFL Live, 4 p.m. Eastern from the Combine this week, Wednesday through Friday. Matt, we know you're busy. Thanks for making some time for us. Yep, appreciate you guys. All right, coming up next, it's time for Unfinished Business. I've got one very important question. What the hell, Giselle? We find out what's next for the GOAT as we get all the Unfinished Business next. 
We all know Chuck has a lot of random thoughts throughout the show. Why don't you have him cutting his penis off then, huh? And Matt likes to tell crappy jokes no one understands. Chuck, all due respect, what the f*** are you doing? So now, it's time to circle back on some stuff we didn't get to the bottom of. Why, 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 why? We now present to you Unfinished Business on Chuck and Chernoff. Uh, sales, if you're listening, another wonderful feature opportunity with Chuck and Charnoff on the fan. Unsold feature on 680 The Fan. Is that how you want to go with that? We're okay. going unfinished business, right. unsold feature. I get you. I see what you're doing. Uh, Chuck and Charnoff until uh, 6, and then it's the good word. Get color on that. <laughs> Live. That's our voice guy, for those who don't know. Uh, live from Hattie B's in Midtown, and then it's the uh, Damon Stoudemire show. So, uh, Brian Gephardt, what did we leave unfinished uh, this afternoon? So, today's top story on the show was about how Giselle's broken Tom Brady's heart and admittedly been with her trainer for, for quite some time. So, we according should... to Tom. Well, no, not even according to Tom. A, hold on. Hold, a source in the Daily on. Mail. Everybody calm down. Gephardt had is, is according to, to Giselle. It's is, confirmed. Or Tom, no. The Daily Mail and People magazine are reporting that Giselle might have been with this uh, jujitsu trainer long before Tom and Giselle were divorced. Back to you, Gephardt. But the more important thing is what's going to happen for Tom Brady next. So right. maybe sometimes you got to unfinish the unfinished business within the segment itself. Yes. So there it is. Um, so don't shoot the messenger, but here are the betting favorites to date Brady next. And I had to double check this. The last time this was updated was January 30th of this year. So just going back a couple weeks. Where can you bet this? It's T-Swizzle. It's Taylor Swift ah. plus 1,300. So okay. I couldn't find the exact book. There's only one that had a mo- more recently updated kind of list here. So so are those the odds that she dates him? Yeah, what's date mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that means publicly, hey, we're going okay. out. What are know? the odds against it? Because I'll bet everything against <laughs> that. If I can get those odds against Taylor dating Tom, I'll, I'll bet be, the no. And, I, what, and by the way, when does that pay? Is that by the end of the year? I'll pay $50,000 right out of bet on her not dating Brady. I imagine it's got a couple year kind of thing on it, but yeah. Uh-huh. But she's the favorite. That's the surprising part. Who is uh, next on the list? Adriana Lima, okay. plus 1,500. All right. Alessandro Ambrosia, she's at plus 1,900. So we're going with uh, the way he sort of modeled. Type. Yeah, and then we're going, then we're taking a left turn towards Kim Kardashian, plus 2,500. Uh, supposedly they already hooked up. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know this. She lives in the neighborhood. He you know, one night went for a cup of sugar, stayed for Wait. a couple of cups. Texture, what are you doing? No, I don't think you say, what are you doing? You say you up. Did you get the you up one? Yeah, that's, yeah. To say. that's all you say. Yep. You up. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, plus 2,500. Okay. So same odds there. Good for Tom. Holly well, Berry. Uh, hold on. Good for t- It's not like oh, he's dead here. These are just yeah, odds. If it happened. Holly Berry for how What's her odds? Holly Berry's uh, plus 2,600. He could, uh, he could do better than Jennifer Aniston at plus Well, I mean, he could do better than a lot. I mean, these are famous women. There are gorgeous women who are not and in famous. And the, like, age-appropriate range. So yeah. what I would say with Holly is... With the drama comes the great sex, but it also comes with a lot of drama. But he'll be exhausted. He doesn't need that at this point. Is there a wild card? Is there like a Tara Reid up there? Like, does oh, he go no, back in time? Because no, no. he dated Tara Reid. It's a different time and place. The last two that they've got listed on here, Lindsey Vaughn, plus 2,700. She's gone down the athlete road a few times. So. Carefully you say that. And uh, Bella Hadid. Okay, that's the uh, yeah. model, mm-hmm. right? Plus right. 2,800. So it's all models. He's got a type. Now, all these are within a 10-year age gap. That's how they wind up putting this list. Well, that's why Kim Kardashian was such an upset, because he is not seemingly into the more, let's say, thicky types than... Oh, more uh, bendy. He likes Giselle, who... Willowy. Willowy. <laughs> so, yes, Willowy. Supermodel Giselle is Willowy. What other what other unfinished business do we have? She's uh, a tall drink. So- <laughs> Uh, so Chuck was right about this. We were talking about Braves earlier. Somehow Joe Necro came up, which led Chuck to saying that Joe 
was a 20-game winner for the Astros in 1980, mm-hmm. going 20-12. and 12. That was spot on. Did we determine the guy who pitched for the Braves is... Oh, it's his son. It's his kin? It is. It is his... He is the younger brother to Phil Necro. Does he throw knuckleballs? He does throw knuckleballs. I love it. Keep it in the family. Man, he had 221 wins. This guy was, like, pretty good for a minute. I, yeah, Joe I, Necro? Yeah, sure. I, I didn't know he existed I until right. today. Oh, Listen. no. he Phil's brother, and they played with each other... For the Braves for about a year and a half. Yeah, it was two seasons that he was on the, the Braves. Beauty of the Phil hit a home run off him in 76, I think. Yeah, mm. The beauty of the knuckleball, you can pitch through your 46. Yeah. 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 I mean, Joe finished second in Cy Young in 79, fourth in 1980. If you so. want to find something funny, go watch the uh, Joe oh. Negro file video. Yeah, go if yeah, you don't know anything about Joe Negro. I don't. Go to YouTube, Joe Negro Twins mm-hmm. Ejection. Okay. You see him throw a file. Funniest it's thing you'll awesome. ever see. Well done. Um, so, worst idea answer. We just brought those back up a little bit earlier on in the hour. The one moment from sports history you wish Twitter was around for. Right. So, Randy said the 1964 NFL championship. Yeah, what was the significance there? So, the Browns beat the Colts 27 nothing, but it's considered one of the biggest upsets of all time. I couldn't find the exact spread, but on a lot of lists that you find, it's one of the biggest upsets mm-hmm. in sports history. So, that was that? the significance of all that right. game. Very good. Um, so, we did have a brief uh, reflection on the 2021 Hawks roster with <laughs> the Trey Young news over the last 24 hours we somehow got on solomon hill and yeah. how he got a start for the team that year uh-huh. he actually had 16 starts that season i used to yell every time he would shoot a three yeah. stop <laughs> stop shooting mm-hmm. you just wanted to body uh, I just so yeah, body on defense, somebody right. yeah exactly little solo four and a half points three boards <laughs> one assist and uh, 31 minutes to clip there, there so um so last thing here for you guys is uh, Nick Ressler, just the buildup of him, because we were talking about him a little bit earlier on, mm-hmm. son of Hawks owner Tony Ressler. Right. So he is indeed listed as principal advisor to the governor for the Atlanta Hawks. I'm also listed as principal advisor to the governor of my family. <laughs> that's it? That's that's the title for yeah. you? Uh, Colin sent him a LinkedIn invite, so the, we'll, we'll keep that updated. Okay, so and see, you connect? You we, can, okay. See if we can get that first that's connect there for Colin. so snarky. <laughs> I mean, that's just, he's going to see that's, that invite from... Oh, Colin, does, do I know him from Harvard? Do I know him from Wharton? Do, do I know him... Talk. Do you uh, do you go by your Twitter name on LinkedIn? No, too? come on, Cullen so groovy. You don't use that on LinkedIn. Clearly, you don't have a LinkedIn because that's not a thing. There. <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't need LinkedIn. What am I going to do with LinkedIn? What are you doing with LinkedIn? It's Cullen fellow. Do we know him from the River Club? Where do we know Cullen? <laughs> Dad, don't sleep on LinkedIn. By the way, you can book guests that way. You can do a couple different all things. Right. So you guys are too good and been around that's for a true. while to, to do all that. No, I'm true. not trying to connect with the owner's son. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, hopefully that comes through there for Colin. But so in the five and a half year span to get to principal advisor to the governor for the Atlanta Hawks, he was a coordinator of basketball operations sure for two, yeah. manager of basketball operations for <laughs> one year. He did so well at that right. that he had to go to director of business and basketball operations before getting his current role. Did that all in five and a half years, still only 29 years old. He's a picture of climbing the corporate ladder yeah, with I, working and just burning the midnight oil. I didn't pick the right father. That's exactly right. All right. Thank you, Brian. Get mm-hmm. part. There you go. There's unfinished business. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. 
Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is a 680 The Fan podcast. To hear more live and local sports content like this, tune into 680 AM or 93.7 FM or download the Fan app. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands, an easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com.